there's this picture of my dad holding me as a baby and you can see he's sitting in front of a computer and there's a whiteboard next to him with a systems design, like, I don't know, drawing right next to him. And I'm like, that is hilarious. That's my life now. Couchbase is a modern, multi-cloud-to-edge, SQL-friendly JSON document database for building applications with agility, performance, and scale. If you're new to Couchbase and would like to learn more, the Couchbase developer portal is the best place to start. It's loaded with tutorials, videos, and documentation, as well as best practice tips, quick start guides, and community resources, including the Couchbase developer community forum. Ready to get started developing on Couchbase? Visit couchbase.com slash new to Couchbase. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. It is a very, very snowy day. I was just transporting some chickens out of their tiny houses into a nice warm barn. Sarah, Paul. Good morning. Good morning. I have zero chickens. Paul, you're in a cardboard city of your own design. Did you build a new layer for yourself? For those who are experiencing this through audio, uh, I have a lot of boxes behind me because (laughs) I recently moved, just like so many people have in the pandemic. And I, I did that yesterday, and I am freaking tired. So, you know, get I'm, ready for a yeah. low-energy podcast <laughs> from old Paul Ford. I'm glad that the mic stand was the first thing you unpacked. That makes That's me right. feel really, really uh, You know, special. you can't live unless your home pandemic office is set up. Like, I, that's the first thing. I don't know where the eggs are, but everything else. It's weird that we don't have a Substack, guys. It is weird. Exactly. Sarah, we have a great guest today. Would you like yes. to introduce? Really excited to introduce Lee O'Young today, who's a software engineer at Coinbase, who's going to talk to us about Bitcoins and crypto Ooh. in general. Hey, everybody. Hi, How's it going? I actually just moved as well, Paul, on Monday. Uh, it's horrible. And I thought I had everything. <laughs> I have my and then um, we unpacked everything, but I couldn't find the utensils. And so we couldn't eat for like three days. I don't have my monitor cable. So I'm like hunched over my computer. I have everything else set up. It's just that one little piece that I need. So I I I feel like- You'll you'll find it three to six months from now in like a cat's mouth. (laughs) That's that's how it works. So did you tip the movers in Ethereum? How did that work? No, no, I hadn't. But I am thinking about giving my family some Bitcoin for Christmas because I have- Mm. Yeah. So because my parents, this is scary a little bit, but my dad's been like, really talking to me about Bitcoin. I'll I'll just share a little quote that he gave me the other day. He was like, well, I had this cash that I was going to buy rental property with, but I think it's a better investment to put it all into Bitcoin instead. And because very soon the U S dollar won't be the reserve currency of the world anymore. And I was like, what the heck are you reading? Dad, stop. (laughs) I know what he's reading. Um, Wow. That's amazing. And then instead of that heart replacement, Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he read that uh, piece from the New York Times, which was quite good. It was about going out for a sushi dinner back when Bitcoin was $100 a pop, spending $1,000 and feeling really special. And the sushi restaurant order held on to it and now can retire on that $1,000 dinner. Yeah. Did this article just come, come out two days ago? Yeah, it just came out. And it was at that point in time, there was only like two eateries in San Francisco that have accept Bitcoin. And one of them was the sushi place. So it's a, it's a relevant time to talk about this because Bitcoin hit 21K yesterday, which is record high. But Lee, I'd love to hear from you. What got you into crypto? Have you always been interested in crypto? Did you happen at a company that was in crypto? What? How did that happen? So my story is a little bit funny because in a way I, I got onto the crypto train pretty late. I mean, the Bitcoin white paper came out in 2008. 
So mm. before I was an engineer, I used to work on Wall Street in finance as a derivatives trader at JP Morgan. And I remember like Bitcoin coming out in 2008 and already there was a Bloomberg article about it. There was already like a Bloomberg chart on it, maybe like not more than a year later. And I remember I remember dismissing it. I was like, this is for anarchists because at the time it was in the middle of the huh. financial crisis and people were like, there was a subset of people that, that were like, we need to load up on guns and water, bottled water. And that's the type of world that's, that, that is in our near future. And so I was very dismissive of that. So I was like, oh, whatever. So didn't even like pay attention to it. And then worked through the financial crisis and then didn't even, didn't even think about Bitcoin again, unfortunately, stupid me. But then in 2011, 2012, I transitioned to become an engineer. So I was now like thinking much more about technology and software. And I was sort of hesitant to become a software engineer, but I had a great mentor at that time, Avi Flombaum, who's the founder of uh, Flatiron School. And he convinced me, he's like, whatever career or whatever field you want to go into, technology is going to play a role at least. So this is really important. So I sort of like, all right, you've convinced me. That's a little foreshadowing to what's to come later in my, in my life. I move over to San Francisco into, in, into Silicon Valley. And in 2012, 2013, I'm, I'm on this yacht, which is, this is such like a Silicon Valley story, but I feel like everybody on that yacht was like, had some like get rich scheme. Like one person is talking about man-made diamonds. Someone else is talking about something else. Everyone has some like little side hustle they're working on that's going to become the next big thing. And this one woman goes to me and she's like, you should really look into Bitcoin. And I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> but you remember, at that time it was like, I don't know, like Silk Road-esque type of thing, mm, right? You yeah. Know? I have so many similar memories. Like when I read that article about the sushi dinner. I also did the same thing at The Verge. Me and a colleague took a bunch of friends out to a bar. It was this guy, Charlie Schwab. You, you met up with him? Yeah, yeah. He was the only person at that time who's running a bar that accepted Bitcoin in New York. And it was like $125 a coin. And we were like, this is it. This is the top. We're all going out for drinks and spent what would now be, I don't know, half a million dollars <laughs> worth of Bitcoin. <laughs> Wait, so did you hold on to any Bitcoin? I did not. No. I, okay. I mean, well, I mean, a tiny, like a, a, a nominal amount, not enough to make a difference in my my life, unfortunately. And I feel very silly about it because I started writing about it in yeah 2011 or something when I was at the New York Observer and it was a big deal. Uh, yeah. More in the financial New York circles as much, I think, as in Silicon Look, Valley. man, I had a minor turned on like did early you? days. And I was like, this is making, yeah, I was like, this is making my Mac run too hot. To hell with it. That's that's where I was at. Like, I mean, this is, and you know. You probably have Bitcoin on a hardware somewhere. You don't realize it or the private key of it. No, I didn't. I, it was like after two days. I was like, forget this. The other thing was, no, I had a friend who wrote an article back then, like 2009, 2010, early days. And there's this part where he goes, I had to buy some of this ridiculous currency in order to, to understand it. So I bought $75 worth at a quarter of Bitcoin. And... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I later went back. I was like, what happened, man? Because this is someone who's immune yeah. to money. And he was like, uh, actually, I have a lot of it. I, I just, I bought a couple mattresses. That was maybe a mistake early days. Because they were like, you know, they were, it was like the world's worst mall yeah. for a while. So you can go to this one bar. Overstock.com was one of the first to accept yeah, online, yeah. I think. So got a couple overstock mattresses. Lee, what about software? You said you're a software engineer now. When did you sort of learn that stuff? Was it from Avi? Um, and Flatiron School, or how did you? You know, I let me just paint the picture for you. I was like graduated in 2005 and worked in finance till 2011. 
uh, sorry, 2012. So I worked like 12 hours a day, right? So like, I was not I didn't know anything about meme culture. I didn't really know about YouTube videos. I didn't know how people made money off of the internet. I didn't know anything about the internet. So when I was like, I had gotten laid off, my whole group got laid off because we were doing prop trading, essentially. And I was like, you know what, I want to learn about the internet. Because if you look at the rest of the economy, everybody has very high unemployment rates, except Mm. for technology. And I'm like, there's something there. And I want to look into it. So I'm like, stupidly, there was like this thing going around, maybe it still is now that's that people would tell other people that everyone should learn how to code at least a little bit. So I'm like, all right, well, I have a lot of time on my hand, let me get into this. And so that's what I did. And Avi was teaching at that time at, um, he was basically doing like two classes a week for like, and each class was like two hours. I can't think of it right now. And so I like signed up. It was like how to build a website in two months or something like that using Ruby on Rails. And that's how I, I basically like monopolized his office hours. And he was like, wow, this girl's really into coding. And I was, but, and also in reality, I had a lot of time on my hands too. So I was like constantly peppering him with questions. And then he was really supportive and he was mentoring me. He helped me get like an internship. And then when he started Flatiron School, he's like, Lee, I really think you should do this. You know, you're not doing anything anyways. And at that time, he had helped me so much. I was like, I'm going to sign up for the school just to support him as a friend. And my mom was like, you're not doing anything anyways. It's better than you sitting at home all day. So you should go do this. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. And my dad laughed at me. My dad, who's a software engineer, laughed at me. Because he was like used to the traditional I know. system. I was like, if you don't go to school for four years. Yeah. But also, I think both of my parents were like, this is silly. You used to make a lot more money in finance. Why would you become <laughs> a software engineer? I think that was really the thing. So take it back a second, because this is always, I, I think, kind of a foundational question. So I think we know as an audience, right? Like, what is Bitcoin? Sure, let's not do that again. But programming Bitcoin, programming blockchain apps, programming dApps, you know, like, what do you do when you're engineering in this world? Okay, let me be clear that I don't specifically write anything, any like dApps or smart contract related. What I do mm-hmm. at Coinbase is I work on Coinbase is building a prime brokerage right now. So I'm working on building the trading algos to it, which is super exciting and super fun to me. But that sounds very hard. What is a trading algo? So like, let's say you like sign up on like Charles Robert E-Trade and you want to buy something. You say like, hey, I'll put in a limit order to buy like 100 shares of Microsoft at XYZ price and Mm -hmm. I'll pay XYZ price. But let's say you're like someone with a lot of money. You're a whale. And you don't want to just like spray the market and make the market move with your huge ass buy order, right? So like instead of buying like a billion dollars of something or like 500 million. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say you want to buy it, but spread out either over time. So this is called a smart order router. So it'll go out to multiple different exchanges and do small orders. So it's almost like hidden in the market. So nobody nobody will realize it's Mm. a big whale. So you could either use like something called what they called an iceberg algorithm and this is not specific to create crypto this is like this mm. exists already or you could do something called a TWAP trade which is time weighted average price so like over a course of a week there's continuous buys little buys across different exchanges and then you don't move that makes the market. sense so explain this to people that that might not know uh sometimes in a currency if someone buys makes a really big order it affects other it affects the price of the currency and how and other people buying in if they see a big purchase, they might buy more, they might take it as a time to sell. All right. So I would imagine I would imagine programming this. Like first of all, what language do you use to to write a trading algo? Um right now we're using Go, GoLang. Okay. Which so I Go love. Lang. I have to imagine that you have to be extra special paranoid about doing things that involve hundreds of millions of dollars on, <laughs> on both sides. So like, Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you know compared to like, you know, I'm gonna 
I'm going to open my index.html and say hello world to I'm going to launch the the space shuttle. You're probably more on the space shuttle side. Like, what do you do to code defensively and and make it so that you don't accidentally crash the entire blockchain economy? But 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 you worked on Wall Street, losing 100 million. You know that happens. <laughs> we'll make it up somehow. <laughs> I have lost like a, over a million dollars in a very short amount of time, which felt freaking terrible. So that like I'm very very cognizant, maybe more so than other people, of like I think a lot of people in the crypto space are like, I don't even know the term, but they're like, oh my God, we're mooning. We're going to make so much money. But I'm very cognizant of losing money and things blowing up because of my experience working on finance. But I would say that, okay, how do I code defensively? I mean, oh, there's so many things, but... Tell a baby programmer, right? Like I've come to you and I'm like, okay, I just learned. I, you know, I dig, I have a little understanding of finance. I just did code camp. What are those things that you wish you'd known as you became an engineer about programming defensively? Okay, I think any fintech firm or anybody that's worked with money knows about this. Do not use decimals. Use big in, you know, and multiply and divide by 100. You know what I mean? This is the Stack Exchange podcast. I mean, you know, we're, yeah, we're, this so is like, exactly what you want to be. You should, you should be using ints for sure. I mean, technically, there's still places that use decimals, but like, it's always some freaking rounding error. I was just talking about this. Is like, <laughs> because like this, like a TWAP order, for example, you're splitting the trade up into multiple tiny, tiny orders. Wait, what kind of order? What kind of order? Oh, TWAP, time-weighted average price. So you take one big order and then split it all up. They all need to add up to what the original order was. There's always some freaking rounding error that like it doesn't add up. So that's like number one. That's like something that seems so tiny. You got to think about it. The other thing is any like fintech engineer is like some time aspect of it. There's always some freaking time aspect to something and it never works out because like for not crypto, but maybe some fixed income instrument, like we don't count days in finance the same way that like using the regular calendar, the 365, it might be a 3360 day calendar, it might be a whatever, you know, calendar, actual over 360 day calendar. So there's all this like way time is counted is very specific. And that's something that's kind of confusing. Okay, so you say you like go right. And then but what we've been told as as baby engineers our whole lives is like, you should use a strongly typed language for anything like this. Like why? It oh feels my God. like you're, yeah. It's so, so necessary. I mean, it's so necessary. Because I used to write, when I was working at Coinbase on the exchange side of things, we were writing things in Node and that was a that was a nightmare. A nightmare. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Was it like more security? Was it more like the financial aspect of it was stuff? Yeah. No, it was, the, it was the type checking stuff. Like I don't even know how I wrote code in Node for like over a year. And so basically what would happen, so number one, Go compiles, right? So like, you know, something's wrong right away and it's strongly typed. So in Node, let's say like the object that's being thrown around all the time is like the order, but maybe this order is like a JSON type object that has slightly different fields. Cause you know, someone is going to name something mm-hmm. slightly different, you know? And then maybe it's the database object or maybe it's the, I don't know, whatever object and something not all the fields map to each other and you're just looking at it it's like oh it's called order so I assume it has this field and it doesn't there's some sort of mismatch so that that definitely happens a lot I just feel like even though I was writing node for over a year I still don't even feel that confident in it versus golang I've been writing it in I don't know I guess less than a year and I feel so much more com- comfortable mm. and confident in it that's well, really interesting let, let me say something controversial on on this particular program JavaScript is unlearnable right there's always a little more JavaScript and then somebody changes the standard and some people might see that as a positive you, no they some <laughs> some people might but like when I look at go Python the, I had this moment with Python years ago 
where I realized I had sat down, I wrote a function, I wrote a class, I got it done, and I didn't look at any documentation, and I kind of knew what was happening the whole time. And I was like, I've never had this experience in programming before, where myself- We're like, I'm a real boy now. Yeah, it's (laughs) like myself and the computer are interacting beautifully, and the things that I'm expecting to have happen, happen. That is amazing, as opposed to JavaScript, where it's like, well, it's asynchronous, (laughs) ha ha. <laughs> and uh, and so like I totally get this right. Like, how could you program a finance app when you know you can change the paradigm mid-function? All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Please tune in again soon. I'm Ben Popper, director of content here at Stack Overflow. If you want to find me on the internet, I'm at Ben Popper on Twitter, and you can always email us podcast at stackoverflow.com. And I'm Sarah Chips, Director of Community here at Stack Overflow, and you can find me at Sarah Joe on GitHub. And I'm Paul Ford, friend of Stack Overflow. Check out my company, Postlight. And Lee, where can we find you online? I'm Leo Young. You guys can find me on Twitter as well. I'm at Styly, S-T-Y-L, triple I. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. And as always, holdle. Holdle to the end. Yeah. (laughs) Blockchain. (laughs) 